and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week we pick a topic to discuss and this week we'll be talking about networks. Last month, Tenet announced it will close its network with its appointed representatives moving to the Open Work Partnership as part of an exclusive agreement with the company. The agreement will provide Tenet's firms and advisors with the choice of retaining their independent status through Open Work's IFA business to plan wealth management or becoming part of the restricted Open Work proposition. This is one of the more recent pieces of news, but in July, the Financial Conduct Authority's annual report and accounts for 2022 to 2023 revealed that there has been a 19% drop in the number of appointed representative firms in almost three years. The FCA said intervention from the regulator has seen the number of ARs decline in recent years. In today's podcast, we'll be talking about where we are with networks and where we are heading. I'm Sonia Rach, Deputy News Editor at FT Advisor, and joining me today is Emma Napier, Consulting Director at Nextwealth, and Rachel Finessi, Company Director at Aspire Executive Search. Welcome both, and thank you for joining so to begin with, looking at networks and all the recent news, some have argued it is now the death of them. What are your thoughts on the state of them right now? Can we expect more or are we sort of approaching the end? So so perhaps you want to take that first, Emma? Sure. Um, I think we've been along a road for, for you know, some time where, where networks are concerned. But I just think, and this isn't the podcast to talk about the market and where we're heading and what advisors are doing. We are talking about networks. But I do think there is a consequence of the mergers and acquisitions and how advisors are generally feeling about regulation. And it it just feels to me that it is a time of considerable change generally, but actually um, in, in respect of advisors themselves, it's a you know, now's the time to, to make a change. And um, so, so I think that the the industry generally is having an impact um, on on networks. Um, and the other thing, and I'm sure we can debate it, um, is um, I just think it's really hard to monitor if you are a network and you are the controlling network that's making all the rules and monitoring those advisors. That's really hard to do when there's so much change as well. I don't know what, what you think, Rachel. Yeah, I, I, I really feel for the owners of network run business, the networks. We work with them really closely, with, uh, and they're all approaching it in really different ways. Um, but if you look at the the data on it, the principal run. AR firms, they're the ones where there's, what, I think the stats, 50% to 400% more complaints against those mm. firms. So we all know wow. that the changes need to happen. But when you're, say, if you look at a network that's maybe got 20 ARs within it, it's really difficult for those owners to actually manage it because they don't have the capital behind them, which is why we're seeing a lot of the consolidations and that will continue. There's a huge shift in the network space um, that that does need to happen, but it's how that how that pans out. You know, I, I wonder if we're, we're going to have more of a kind of split market where we've got networks that are sort of operating a restricted model so you're like you know Aviva have bought succession mm. and we've got M&G mm-hmm. with Sandringham and that growing to be kind of like the old 
direct sales model almost because mm. they're offering a restricted model and then the ones that can actually truly offer f- truly fully independent it, it's more and more difficult for them to to succeed in that so yeah mm. There's different academies that have sprung up as well, haven't they? You mentioned M&G there. I yeah. was um, thinking about them and, you know, SJP and people like that mm-hmm. have always had a, mm. an advisor academy. Yeah. But with the um, the movement of advisors that are being swallowed up by the larger firms in terms of the consolidation that that is going on at the moment, I just think that those large firms are also... Um, equipping themselves to be able to attract new talent or manage existing talent through their own network. Do I call it a network or is it just a national firm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. And mm-hmm. I don't know where networks stop and national firms take over these days because I think they're mm-hmm. they're doing the same thing, yeah. really. There's yeah. a lot of like blurred lines between it now, isn't it? Because of all the consolidation going on in the industry, it's sort of like... Is it is it a network anymore, yeah. or is it is it kind of you're just big a part of a big company mm. now? Um, uh, so it's quite yeah quite an interesting one. Well, the regulator wants less firms to manage, don't they? Yeah. So it's the logic's there as to why all of it's happening, but it's um, yeah a very changeable market that we're in with it all. And I, I mean, some of the uh, owner managed um, firms that that we worked with have sort of looked at how they've implemented like the management of it. So you take the likes of Vision, who are Rathbones owned. Mm. They have um, a, a management structure um, a, across the business so that all of their advisors have actually got a manager to sign off their cases and that helps them mm. work with the, the changing expectations. But smaller businesses who haven't got that backing, they, they can't facilitate mm. that with their structure. Yeah, and but I think... I mean, what would you say, I guess, is going to be the impact of that? I mean, the fact that the FCA kind of essentially wants less firms to manage, but overall, what's the impact of that on competition and just kind of allowing it to firms to kind of have a, some level of independence without being part of a restricted model? Because that seems to be something fading away almost. So, you know, what, what do you think about that? I think it's it's more difficult and the the question is how that impacts the client because is the client truly getting the best advice with uh, you know there's two ways to look at it aren't there that you're getting more supported more compliant advice through a heavily managed network slash national mm-hmm. proposition but um are they truly getting independent advice because it, it's more difficult for people to advise mm. the firms to sustain that offering yeah, I think I think the same. I think that um, restricted firms are the the easier option for for you know firms as they consolidate, as they grow, as they scale. It's a lot um, easier to control the oversight of the firms sitting underneath or the individuals if you've got a restricted nature. Um, with the IFA nationals or networks or whatever we're calling them um it is difficult but actually if we're talking about networks is it the ifa national firms that become the new networks because actually you've got some independent advisors sitting within a structure that's a larger firm but those independent advisors won't all be 
recommending the same products and they'll have different views and their clients will be the same. So there might be more work to... um, to, to do underneath in terms of the, the regulation and how you monitor it and all of that kind of stuff. But but actually, if, if you're a good national firm and you put the education in and you, you help your advisors and you understand the advisors that sit within it who are independent and doing something different, then I think there's a market waiting to happen as well. Um, we at Next Wealth are just about to launch um, our financial advisor's business benchmark report um, which is a free of charge um, annual report and it just looks across the market at the different advisor firms whether they're restricted how many people in them what it costs them what they're Mm -hmm. spending on tech all of that kind of stuff and we do that every year so it'll be interesting to see what the shape looks like Mm -hmm. this year versus last Mm -hmm. year how many are taking that independent stance how many are looking at vulnerable clients how many are you know, um, doing things slightly different in terms of consumer duty. Mm. And then I think when it settles back down, we end up with this new environment that um, is is less about the old, you know, you sit within a network structure um, and you do what the network says and the network monitors you. Yeah. Or is there this new um, sort of way of existence that you just exist under a, a different owner um, Mm. yeah and, and you choose your path almost mm. so that will be interesting that, that will watch. be interesting and I guess it's kind of timely in the sense that you know when RDR came about it sort of kind of changed the whole industry as people knew it at the time and now we've got consumer duty yeah. aligning with potentially just as much of a, a drastic change to see in the industry how things kind of move forward so I think it will be it'll be it'll be one to watch um for sure, but I, I, I guess, kind of just touching on, um, on sort of some of the things we've we've already been talking about. But what, why, I guess, are some networks struggling and others are not? You know, what what are the ones that are sort of, um, not struggling as much? What are they doing right, and what are others doing wrong? And 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 where for those that want to succeed, I guess, what what do they need to be doing? Do you want to? Um. So for me, I think it's. It's um, with any business, whether you're a network, a national, a small business or or any business, um, you have to evolve. So you have to continue to think about the market you operate in. Um, But having said that, um, it's really hard to make money in an advice firm. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. And especially as the the regulation um, gets greater and greater, um, and I, I've spoken to so many advisors that have just had enough of taking the the onus on themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, so again, I think there is this market for the network model, but just under a different structure. Um, but going back to your question, Sonia, I think it's really hard to monitor as the um, the principal firm the the network members underneath that, that because everybody's different they've all got their own identities they're all doing something different they're they're all individual businesses themselves but they've been through a massive regulatory change mm-hmm. as well so not only is it hard to make money as an advice business anyway um, and especially if you're not restricted and you can make money in other areas um, but it's really hard to keep that oversight 
um, of those firms um, and keep it up to date whilst you're also evolving. Mm -hmm. So where's the technology fit in? Where can, you know, as a network, what can you do with your your member firms to really boost um, the technology um, that, that the firms adopt without sticking another few zeros on the the annual cost yeah um, and what is the impact of that um, so I think there's a market for it I just think that the old model hasn't got there yet so that the newer network models will will hopefully adopt technology will hopefully exist in a different environment yeah and will hopefully um, set the precedent for for the future sure sure and did you have anything to add to that Rachel? I think it's um, I agree with everything you've said there, Emma. And it's really for networks to implement uh, spans of control is a way that they can facilitate it, but that comes at a cost, like you rightly pointed out. Um, so for networks who want to stay successful and profitable, they've got to grow, they've got to scale, because with the scaling, then that gives them the margins to then implement the infrastructure to support actually meeting the the guidance that the FCA need them to be meeting and and that's a bit of chicken and egg because until they've grown and got the profit margins coming through then um but they need to put that infrastructure there to succeed in the future environment um so I think that or getting financial backing which is obviously where the consolidation side of thing comes in that Mm -hmm. that's why uh, we're seeing a lot of it that smaller businesses are jumping into bigger businesses so they've got that backing to be able to create the infrastructure yeah i mean it is i guess it all makes sense as to why it's happening but what kind of um will be the impact on the culture overall and especially with the with the kind of ar firms that also will kind of operate in a in a slightly different way and then suddenly there's all this consolidation mm. moving forward i guess what do you think will be the impact on the culture of of sort of the network or the bigger network slash national at the time. Well, it's interesting because when you've got the AR, so um, people who go into the advice industry tend to be quite entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. and they, the smaller ARs, they, they, they manage their clients through their entire career. And so for the clients, they've got this dedicated advisor who looks after them and that will be, that will change because if it's more restricted and it's going into more heavily managed networks slash nationals and however that looks, that's kind of taking a little bit of that away, which will change the culture of the advice side of things. Mm-hmm. I think technology um, will be implemented more and more. There was an article came out this morning about um, should AI be regulated because I think 50% of power planners have voted that it should be, but that's going to, I believe massively help the industry but we've got to go through that journey haven't we where that's actually a benefit and we're only on the the cusp of how that will help businesses and smaller businesses sustain what they need to and um that's going to impact the culture isn't it back to the original question of cultures it's it's any change will impact a culture but the yeah Mm. i think also um there are you know some of these I don't want to make this about consolidation, but it has it. It's got a place yeah, here. Yeah, it's the elephant in the it, room. It really it? is. <laughs> um, but there is an awful lot of 
um, commerciality that's sitting around this market as well. So if you are, um, you know, an AR and you've been ticking along nicely under your network and not really bothering anyone and you're kind of clients are happy with what you do and then all of a sudden somebody comes along with a big fat check and waves it in front of you mm-hmm. um, it might be at a time where regulations you know just a bit annoying and maybe you've done a few um, pension transfer cases that you know a bit dicey or there's been a few complaints or whatever it is it just might be the right time for those AR firms to just say I'm going to take the check. I'm going to take the check. I'm going to transition over a couple of years and I'm gone and I'm done. And as long as my clients um, are happy in that new environment, then I've done what I've done. And I do think that 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 is having an impact. But what we haven't spoken about um, is the sort of mortgage side of the world and the protection side of the world, because I think there's a massive place for networks, in that world, um, so I kind of live and breathe in the sort of investment world and the the platform world and uh, the wealth side. But actually, I've been talking to a few advisors recently who, you know, they, they, they're doing really, really well with mortgages and, you know, the, the environment that they live in actually sits really well under a network because the structure's there. Yeah. Um, so going back to your question, Sonia, I think that culture plays a massive part in the success of the right business but also if you're a network then the culture in that business but also not under not um dismissing the fact that you can't stay like that forever and things change and you need to be able to accommodate and grow and it might be that some of those AR firms have always had an intention to become directly authorised at some point in the future but why not be a really good halfway house Mm. um, for for those advisors that want that sort of environment to be able to transition but support them along the way and there's a commercial model that sits behind all of that. Um, So we still speak to um, a lot of advisors who have built up their own businesses and they you know they they really want to go DA but it's so difficult for they have to manage so so much and the costs that come with it and um you know if they want to grow their businesses we've got around the corner the DB um storm the PI storm Mm -hmm. that's coming and, Mm -hmm. and businesses need to be able to weather what's coming with that and that's where having the the support of something bigger behind you really really does help yeah, I mean, and that actually kind of transitions quite nicely into one of my um, questions, which is kind of, um, you know, whether the industry is sort of heading towards a, a more directly authorised, f- focused industry, or will it sort of remain as it is? And it and it's kind of, I guess, a good question to conclude on, to round up kind of all the conversation we've been having. But what do you think is kind of going to be, I guess, a, in a three-year, five-year outlook almost as to what this will look like so Rachel do you want to take that one first I I I think we'll we'll almost have a split market that will feel like it's reverted back to um kind of where we were where we had like the bank assurance side of things and that will be more the consolidated big national firms Mm -hmm. um with a restricted offering and then the other side of the market will be the DA firms who are offering truly independent advice um, and maybe a couple of networks who've managed to sustain that because they've grown enough to be able to 
facilitate that happening. So there'll be a bit of a, a split market. And I, I think that's where we're going to end up over the next probably two, three years um, with what we're seeing at the moment. Sure. Well, and well. I agree. Um, I would be looking for some innovation around networks. So I'd be looking um, to the networks as they are right now to be looking two years or 18 months ahead. What do they want to be? What facilities can they provide their members, not just their members now, but members of the future? And those members might be members that have taken a different direction. Maybe they have joined a, a larger firm. You know, maybe they're not comfortable there. Maybe their clients aren't that happy. Mm. And maybe they're, that they, they're looking for a home um, within a network. But I would like to see some innovation. I think mm. that we should have moved on from, from the networks existing, how they've always existed. And I wonder if that has um, played a massive part in the, the demise of some of the, the mm. names you mentioned um, right at the start. So I think we're, we're sort of lacking as an industry that support, though, for those firms to get that infrastructure, whether it's kind of like training, mentoring and helping them or having academies that they can tap into without having to go to join one of the bigger boys so that they've got access to that kind of support um, to enable them to give a better service to their advisors, which then gives a better service to clients. And mm -hmm. that's how we can go through that evolution that, that you're talking about by I think it's lacking in our industry that access point for advisor firms to, yeah. to have that to help their growth. Yeah. yeah, I think evolution is probably the the right term to use there because it is sort of kind of almost a rebirth of what the mm -hmm. industry is going to look like as and how it's going to change from what we know it as it is now. So, which is good. It's a really positive thing, it's but it's a it's sticky at yeah. the moment, <laughs> and and I do feel for the owners who are going through the process and through the journey, but if they can see the potential that it can give them and their businesses and the industry, we are going mm. to evolve. It's yeah. happening. Mm. It's just that nobody likes change, do they? Yeah. <laughs> so the only can... though, <laughs> they don't, but but like it or not, change is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and whatever way or whatever box you sit in, change is happening. But we, we must continue to make um, financial services a really cool place to be yeah. for mm -hmm. the advisors of the future, whichever label they want to stick on themselves, mm -hmm. whether they're an AR or a DA or however they are, because it's got to, um, it's a great place to be and there's lots of opportunity. And, you know, we're not even going to go down the advice yeah. gap route. Um, but, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a whole, there's, oh my God, how long we've got? Um, but, yeah, so I, I think, you know, for me, it's innovation, it's technology, it's looking for the future. And like it or not, we're going through change anyway. Mm. So um, we've got to create a nice space um, for for the, the next evolution of, of networks. And to bring in the young, fresh yeah. minds to help yeah. take that evolution forward who will embrace technology because they've grown up with it more. And if we're, again, another subject, but really accessing those school leavers mm -hmm. and all of that side of things who yeah. can help take this forward with the technology that we've got access to it's going to really ramp things up in the industry yeah definitely so i mean unfortunately that's all we've kind of got time for today yeah it was really nice to have you both on here um so thank you for for kind of joining i'm sure that will not be the last we we hear of this topic so yeah. we will we'll, we'll, 
we'll be rediscussing it at some point, I'm sure. Um, and of course, thank you to those who are listening. Just uh, join us next week as we discuss another hot topic in the financial services industry. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.